Amen. Uh, this is the third part of the message and probably conclusion of the message I started. The worker gets paid. I need to let you know before you pass on or before Jesus comes back or you pass on to the next world. Jesus is looking for workers to work for him. Jesus is actively looking for people to work for him. Remember his mission statement. The Son of Man came to seek and to find those who were lost. That's why he came. No other reason. Every Christian is obligated to follow with the Master and do what he's asking us to do. He said to his disciples, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's why he came. No other reason. God will not invest in your life until you invest in what he came to do. God has no other agenda on the earth today but to bring people into his kingdom. And so Jesus is actively looking for workers. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. He said, to teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So Jesus is actively today looking for workers, people to work for God, to walk alongside with Him. In Luke chapter 11, 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then He called His twelve disciples together. That's, his, that's the first group. The first group. He called them together. And gave them power and authority over all demons. So the opposition to the work of God, we know, demons. He gave them authority over all demons and to cure diseases. That's why we believe David is healed. We got that authority. We prayed this morning, we believe he's healed. We don't believe what the doctors say. Yeah, they told us the facts, we got the truth. And the truth is, by his stripes, David was healed. So Jesus is looking for people to do the same work that he came to do. You may not think much of yourself. But he thinks so much of you. That he wants you to be a partner with him. To reach out to those who are dying. That he shared his blood for. You it. Now Jesus in Luke chapter 9 sent 12. And they went and they killed the sick. They, you know, preached to the people and they came back rejoicing. But then in verse 10, Jesus increased the number. And I'd like you to pay close attention to what he was doing. He says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So after he got, got through with the 12, he increased the number. He appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So notice what's going on here. He's selecting his disciples, just you and I, 
He wants to go there. But he wants you to go ahead of him and he'll meet you there. To do the work. If you don't go, he can go. He wants to go there. He's no longer here. But he's depending on you to go ahead of him because he wants to go there. Did he go along with them? Did he go with them? No. Did he tell them exactly where he wanted to go? No. He said, go. And wherever they went, that was exactly the place he wanted to go. God is depending on you. As long as you sit back, praying for your blessings and your family blessings, and don't think anything about blessing God's kingdom, you will never truly understand the Father. You will never truly know God. That's what's wrong with the church today. Everybody wants to sit down and, and have fun in church. and all, Nothing wrong with that. But God is sending, on, sending us out there to bring them in. And you've got to take that to heart. When you begin to do this, the fire of God will consume your heart. And God will begin to do a work in you. So he sent them to those places where he himself wanted to go. And then he told them, he says, the harvest truly is great. It's not a question of whether they want to receive Christ. It's a question of whether people would go and bring them in. The harvest is already there. He's already white for harvest, he says. The, the harvest, he said, truly, no doubt, is great. But the laborers are few. The problem is not the harvest. They want to receive Christ, including those in Hollywood, all of them. They need Jesus. The problem is no laborers, no one is willing in God's house to step out and share with these people and tell them, you need God, you just don't know it. All of these things you are chasing after, what you're really doing is trying to replace that vacuum that God has placed in you for himself. Those things won't satisfy you. They know it. And they'll tell you, yeah, I've been out there. I, I'm empty. I need something. They watch your life. And they see what God is doing. And they want to go to church. And they come to Jesus. That's what they did. That's what Paul, what Peter did. I mean, Andrew did. He went first and got his brother. And he says, Peter, we found him. That's what everybody's been looking for. He is Jesus of Nazareth. And he took Peter to meet with Jesus. And Jesus said, you are Simon. I read, but I'm going to make you when I'm through with you, you're going to be a rock, I'm telling you. And so he ministered. And then Jesus found Philip. And he told Philip, come, come follow me. And Philip spent a few, few minutes and few hours with Jesus and realized, boy, we found him. And he went to look after his friend, Nathaniel. He said, ah, Nathaniel, come over. We found him. I'm telling you, we found him. The one everyone has been looking for. The prophet Moses spoke of him. He says, who? He said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, Nazareth, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, I have no time to discuss this matter with you. Just come, 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 follow me. You'll find out. You'll know about Nazareth after you meet him. And when Jesus saw him, Jesus said, ah, and he's an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no God. The guy said, how did you know me? And Jesus said, when you were under that fig tree, before Philip called you, I saw you. The guy was persuaded. He said, this is what I need. You are the Lord. You are the King of Israel. He said, 
All we have to do is bring them in. They say to us today in America, 80% of Americans, those unchurched Americans, 80% of them, they are saying, I'll go to church if somebody would just invite me. 80%. And here are Christians, they don't even think about that all week. And yet Jesus shared the blood of God so that these people can find him. We should be saying, we cannot afford to have any seat empty in the house of God. Let one man in this place take that to heart and watch what God will do with that man. God has the ability to make a man famous. God can do it. Preaching the gospel. There's no man more respected in the United States than Billy Graham. He was a preacher, man. God will make you. In that same chapter, verse 17, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy. When you go out to do work for Jesus, that joy from heaven is like you have obtained a little bit of what's going on in heaven and poured into your heart. They came back with joy. And they were saying to the Lord, Lord, even the demons were subject to us in your name. We saw things we've never seen before. There are people who are more educated, who know more about these things. They couldn't do it. But when we mentioned your name, the demons left. And now let me tell you, demons are still here. They have not gone into hiding. There are demons in America, I'm telling you the truth. They are not all in Africa. They are right here. <laughs> they are still influencing people's lives here in America. And we need to go out to them. God has given us the authority to cast out those demons. And when we speak, they know who's talking. And when we tell them, hey, you got to go, he says, no. He says, shut up, you're coming out. And guess what? They say, yes, sir. Because Jesus has given you the authority. And you have the authority in you, and you can cast out any demon. Big demon, small demon, medium-sized demon, you can cast them all out. Because Jesus is giving you that authority. Amen. So he gave, he gave them that authority. And Jesus said in verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, say the word with me, nothing. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. When you preach the gospel, Satan can't make you sick. He'll try. He'll tempt you with it. But he can't stay. How many times have you heard Paul saying, I was sick? Or Peter said, I need Paul to come and pray, pray for me. Or John say, saying, oh, I, I had this serious fever, I can never get out of it. Why don't you look at the lives of people that, God, that walked with God and see how God dealt with them? Because the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God can keep your body healthy if you're doing His work. That's why he said very clearly, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6 verse 33. And all these things, including great health. Who doesn't want great health? All of these things that the Gentiles, all of them are seeking. He says, I will, that will be an addition for your life. And with all the joy and all of that. 
That's what God wants to do. But nobody, nobody in the house of God wants to really take this. You are always thinking, he's going to do it. Who are you talking about? What about you? I need to let you know the day is going to come when you and I, and you've heard the word. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they'll be your judge in the last day. When you hear the word of God, the word of God is going to stand against you on the day of judgment. You heard and you didn't do what I said. I need to move on. It's really important. John 4 verse 36, Jesus said, He who reaps, receives wages. He who reaps, receives wages. And gathers fruit unto eternal life. That's what this message is all about. If you start winning souls, God will make sure your family is okay. That's just the truth. You don't have to struggle. God will take care of you. Jesus said, if any branch in me bears fruit, what would the Father do? The Father will purify, purges. So he will bear more fruit. Bearing fruit is not fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's fruit, not yours. You just allow them to come out of you. Bearing fruit is bringing people into the kingdom of God. If any branch in me begins to bear fruit, God will take care of that branch. But then Jesus said, if any branch doesn't bear fruit, the Father cuts it off. We need to bear fruit. You are the light of the world. The world will be in darkness without you. You are the salt of the earth. The world will be tasteless without you. We need to stand up as Christians. You tell yourself, I can't stand going to church and we have empty seats. I'm going to do something about that. Have that in your heart and watch the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you. That's what's happening to the church. I had a friend that they, uh, yes, uh, this weekend because I was in some meeting. I would forgotten all of this. When Angela and I came to Houston, we knocked on doors. Door to door. I wasn't preparing to be a pastor, but I was going to win souls. Angel and I, both of us. And she'll tell you, when we couldn't have a child, we went out witnessing. We said, Satan, if you're going to stop us from having uh, physical children, we're going to have spiritual children. And we, get them, we led them to the Lord, but God gave us our children. Amen. She was reminding me, said, I can understand why God is doing whatever he's doing in your life today. Because you and Angela, you were busy in those days just winning souls and could care less what people think about it or who was watching us. God will never stop his resources from you when you step out to win souls. Amen. Let me tell you something. God doesn't waste time with those that will not listen to him. He lets you have your life. Maybe one day you will slide into heaven. <laughs> one day you just slide in. Oops, I made it. I was, I was close. I don't want to slide. Amen. I want to go in with a big entrance. Like Paul said, there's a crown, huge one waiting for me. I'm going. That's the way I want to go. But let me tell you, you will never know God. He won't have discussions with you. He knows you, flaky. He knows he can't do business with you. You're hot one day and then you're cold again. And he says, why don't you just stay cold or hard? Why do you keep going back and forth? Stay that way. There's a strange scripture that I read. It always 
you know, bombarded me. And you need to understand that, every one of us. Every, if you're here today, you're a Christian, you need to know, hear this and listen closely. Because it shocked me. He says in John chapter 2, verse 23 and 24, it says, And when he came in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. How many believe those were Christians who believed? Right? They believed in his name, right? They accepted Christ as their Savior, right? They believed in his name. When they saw the signs which he did, in other words, they were convinced, this is the Messiah. But notice what he says. But Jesus did not commit himself to them. Think about it. Jesus knew they were believers, but he won't commit himself to them. Why? Question, will Jesus be willing to commit himself to you because you are a believer? Why would he do that? Deliberately, Jesus said, I know they are believers. I know they trust. They know I'm from God. But I'm not going to commit to them. That's, that's tough. That's kind of difficult to hear. And I kept asking, God, what, would, what should I do to make you commit to me? I, I need you as Lord and Savior. No, I need you to commit to me. As I'm committing to you, they committed to him when they believed. But Jesus won't commit himself to them. That's tough. How can you walk as a Christian and Jesus is not committed to you? But that's difficult. No wonder you don't know what's going on in your own life because he hasn't committed to you. In other words, you are, not, you are a child, but you have not risen to the place where you are a friend. That's the difference. You are a child, but you are not a friend yet. He can't really tell you his heart and what he's thinking. He cannot trust you yet. That's what it means. If he won't commit, it means he can't trust you. And I guarantee you, if, you, if he can't trust you, he's not going to be doing much in your life. He still can't trust you. Don't know what you're going to do. All I've seen and come short of the glory of God. And so he saves everybody. But he doesn't commit himself to everybody. He doesn't trust everyone. And I'm saying, God, I want you to trust me. And trusting him means serving and doing what he called you to do. So he can commit to you. His disciples followed him everywhere he went. They committed to him. And they went with him, preaching. And you have read the, other, the scripture last week. Where Peter was telling him, Lord, we have left everything to follow this thing. And Jesus said, no man leaves any of these things for me and for the Gospels. Not just for me, but also for me and the Gospels. Luke tells us that. He says, you will receive a hundredfold in this present world. And then after, you got real eternal life. That's the secret. If you don't understand it, that means God is still, everything is being spoken to you in parable form. You are not on the inside. Jesus has a way of doing that. Notice he had the twelve. There were only three. Uh-huh. He had the twelve, but he had three. I should have done three. <laughs> That's the secret. But he only had three that he would allow. In. And among the three, there was one. 
that he was, they were like buddies, friends. I want to be there. I want to be there. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 14 and 15, he says, You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. Son, but you rise to being a friend. He is your Lord, but you rise to be his friend. That's an amazing place to be. John considers Jesus, even though he knew Jesus was his Lord, that was his friend. And Jesus respected that. John was very close. He was his friend. Paul was not yet born. But Paul was really his friend. And Jesus appeared right through us. How many times Jesus appeared to Paul? Sometimes just to comfort him with what he was going through. An amazing relationship that this man had with God. But Paul, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the power of God. And so God was with him. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And he has us, commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. But you refuse to do his command. How can you be his friend? You can never truly understand life until you become a friend of God. People will misunderstand you, but you know your place in God. That's so important. That's where everybody should seek to go, to be a friend of God. He made it clear. No longer do I call you servants. That means until you become a servant, you can become a friend. And serving God, it means becoming a servant. Serving Him, uh, what does the servant do in the house? You enable your master to accomplish the task that he wants done. So he can have his time for all the things. That's a servant in the house. You know the master is going to be putting his clothes on to go to work. So the servant goes, get the clothes ironed, right? So that when master is ready to leave, he don't have to go do it by himself. Gives him more time to do other things. We are God's servant when we do what God cannot do for himself. But because we're human, we do it. Because he's not here in person. When you do that, then you've taken the place of a servant. Until you see yourself, not just a a person that goes to church, but somebody who is serving God and doing and accomplish what God wants accomplished on this earth, you'll never know his heart. He won't commit to you. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. That's what Jesus said. A servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things. Now, all things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now, notice this. You get to know the secret of God's heart. That's what it says. When you become his friend, he's not going to tell everybody what the father is doing. But when you become a friend, God begins to converse with you. He begins to tell you, you know, I want to do this over this place. I'm going to go check. That's what he did with Abraham. Abraham was called the friend of God. Remember, before God destroyed uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, God had to tell his friend. Cannot do a thing without telling his friend. I want to be there. So he called Abraham. Hey, I'm thinking about destroying this city. What do you have to say about it? Paraphrase. And Abraham started talking to him about what you're about to do. You can't do that, he said to God. What if there are 50 people? Okay, give me some room. What if 40? 
he was talking to his friend. And he was called the friend of God. But God unveiled the secret of his heart. What he was going to do to his friend. Abraham was the friend of God. And we're saying, we're a friend of God. How can you be a friend when you are not truly a servant? He got to be his friend. And so we must serve him. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? You got to do what he says. And the simplest thing is go out and bring souls. We're giving you opportunities to invite people to church. Invite people to hear God's word, not to go see Pastor Goodluck. Let them hear the word of God. The word of God and Jesus, they are one and the same. If they receive the word of God, they receive Jesus. If they receive Jesus, they receive Jesus the healer. They receive Jesus the restorer. Jesus the lifter of our head. He heals them and ministers to them. And you are part of that. And it's recorded for eternity. You've done this. That's the beauty of this thing. God is calling people. I have a lot to say today. But the only reason God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. And he made this statement very clear. He said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. Let my people go that they may serve me. And if you don't let them serve me, Israel is my son, God said. If you don't let my son serve me, I'll kill your son. That's how serious God is about service. And when you are serving God, God is a jealous God. I mean, you know, He's not going to let anything come against you. He'll build a fence around you just like He did Job. Nobody's going there. He says, no trespassing. This is God. No trespassing here. When Satan and his demons come, they see the sign written in the blood of Jesus. No trespassing. And what, they do, what do they do? They pass over. They pass over. Luke chapter 1 verse 7 4, it says to grant, to, to grant us that we, that's you and I, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. God has granted us that we have been delivered from the power of sin. That's not the place to serve. We might what? Serve him all the days of our life. God is looking for people to serve him. And when you serve him, God will promote you. God will make sure you're separate from the rest of the world. God will promote you. Uh, Exodus 23:25 it says, "So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. He will bless your bread and your water, and he says, "I will take sickness away from the midst of you. There shall nothing, there shall nothing. No one will suffer miscarriage. No one will be barren in the land. The number of your days, God said, they will fulfill. In other words, you know what that is? When you serve God, God will rebuke all those things that will cut your life short. I want that man. You're not going to touch him. That's mine. No trespassing. 
These are the secrets that God has for us. You need to take your place in the house of God. There is discipleship going on right here at the church. Find your place where you can serve. And serve God, whether someone is looking, whether no one is looking, whether pastor notices or doesn't notice, that's not your business. You are not minding pastor, you are not minding anybody, you are serving him. They may not see, but he's seeing. And when you serve him, he begins to speak to you. Son, daughter, you know, I really have a heart for these people here. Can you do something, maybe put, and he'll give you, and he'll give you the resources. To get it done. God took Angela to Calvert. That was the first thing to go to Calvert. It seems like an ordinary thing. We didn't know what was going on. But that was what God was doing. Now through that one obedience. Because Angela went there just to serve the community. To help them. Because of medical reasons. She could do that. And she saw that as a devotion to God. And then all of a sudden. Look at what's happening now. We have a church there. We have people that have been saved. And they are now a part of something that's bigger than every one of us. They're bigger than us. But it comes through obedience and doing what God has called us to do. I am believing God this morning. And you see that this church, by the end of fall, this place will be packed. Can I hear an amen? God's going to fill this place. But I've been crying out to God. We need workers. When they come, somebody needs to serve them. So that they learn how to serve. And then, when they are grown, they will now serve those coming after them. We need workers. And so today, if God has called you to the Ark Fellowship, we need you to work. This is not for Pastor Goodluck. I feel in my spirit, and I was talking to Pastor Al this morning, he feels the same way. That God's going to increase, there's going to be a great increase and influx of people in this, during the fall. And I've been praying, God, wake up our people. We need work. We need to work. I need everybody to commit to something you can do. There's something you can do. You have a talent. Maybe you can be in the media ministry. You know how to do that. It comes easy to you. I need you there. The church needs you. Jesus needs you there. It's easy to just want and sit down and listen to the message. That's good. But God is calling you to serve. We're making disciples. The greatest ministry in this church today, in my opinion, is children's church ministry. Pastor, uh, Pastor Al and Shirley uh, are very grateful to God. In my opinion, their job is much greater than what I'm doing. They work with me, but they are bringing the new, next generation. That ministry is more important than anything else here. <laughs> Pastor George, his ministry is so important to me. I love what they're doing. Figure what's going on. That ministry is important. Many times people want here. Yeah, no. Right there. We pastor out. That's a very important ministry. They got to take over from me. If no one will teach them and help them, what's going to happen when we all leave? And Jesus tarries. Somebody has to do it. And thank God, Pastor Al, Shirley, they're doing a great work back there. 
Pastor Josh is doing a great work, but we all need help. There are different ministries here that need help. Please don't sit back. Get involved. Even if you think you don't know anything, I can't do anything, don't sit. That's Satan's voice. You can say a few words. You'll be amazed. They'll come to you. You said those things, and, and, and look, that transformed my life. I've heard that, and I'm shocked. I don't even remember when I said that. But that's the way God is. Everything is so important. This morning, I want to call those, the different ministries, those representing the different ministries. Can you get them, please, for me? I need them up here with me. I need them up here with me. <coughs> Excuse me. Please come up here. Come up here, please. Was the media ministry? Okay. We need a microphone. We have different ministries in our church. Find your place. Find your place. You will learn and you will grow. And you, it's amazing. God will begin to speak to you. Every little, the Bible says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Because that's what God wants. And God will begin to speak to you. God will begin to minister to you. I'm confident today, Angela and I, when things baffle me, I talk to him. I ask for direction. And I ask God, okay, now I'm through with that series. What do you want me to say next? What do you want me to go to? And I can stay a day or two still wondering. And then all of a sudden, something comes in. And I know it's from the Lord. That's how he works so intimately with us. I want this minister uh, to share what you belong, what ministry that is, and uh, we need workers. Go ahead. Uh, my name is Quentin Wyatt. I'm representing the youth ministry department we have in the back of the refuge. Uh, we're asking these parents, students, anyone who liked, uh, would like to help out with ministries, outreaches, anything, uh, contact Pastor Josh and all them. We use all the help we can get. Amen. My name is Jonathan Ritchie. I'm representing the audiovisual department, which is sound, lights, media, cameras, and we have need for volunteers in all four, and we do train. <laughs> Amen. My name is Dave Johnson, and I represent the Ursha's ministry, Ministry of Health. And we do need help. Mike West is in the back, the last seat. See Mike West. If you can't catch up with Mike West, just see me. But it's a ministry called the Ministry of Health. And we do need help. Amen. Hi, good morning. My name is Cindy Amata, and uh, we have prayer ministry. And we always need prayer. Amen. And also uh, adult Sunday school. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Uh, my name is Pam Johnson. I work with the greeters. Uh, we do need help at the door when people are coming. Uh, they're the first ones you see, so it's an important ministry uh, to be there to greet and to make them feel welcome. If you have any questions, you can talk to me or Miss Irene Ritchie at the back. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Jennifer Tostin, and um, I teach in the Impact Girls, and um, that is all age groups. 
We definitely need some teachers back there. Um, it's really fun. The girls love it. Um, we share God's word. All you have to do is just put a smile on your face, and the curriculum is all laid out for you. It's very simple, so if you feel a burden for little That's girls. Wednesday night. On Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. Yes, yes, Wednesday thank night. You. Um, good morning. My name is Jennifer Rodriguez. I'm one of the three Jennifers that are here. Um, I have had the wonderful opportunity, my husband Ezekiel and I, to um, volunteer in the children's church ministry. It is a wonderful ministry. As Pastor said, it is a very big ministry. And so we are always needing volunteers back there. It is very easy. There are many different areas that you can volunteer in. We can definitely use you. It is growing. You see that our church is growing. The adults grow and the children grow. So it is very rewarding, um, very fulfilling. We've been very blessed to do it. So please consider some area of the children's church ministry. Amen. My name is Scott Tostin. I'm with the Royal Rangers. We meet on Wednesday nights. We work with all ages of uh, young men. That's uh, from kindergarten all the way up. And uh, we need volunteers as well. And uh, it's quite simple, quite easy to work with, uh, and we can definitely help you along the way. My name is Gabe. I'm representing the worship team. And uh, we're starting um, practices pretty soon here for the, for the choir. Um, and the cantata is going to be in December. And so on Wednesday nights, we'll start practices. And uh, I'll tell you right now that there's, in my opinion, nothing more rewarding than leading people into spiritual warfare. And so um, that would be great if you guys can be a part of that. And uh, Wednesday nights, also worship practices. And if you have any questions about that, you can talk to Jason in the back. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Put your hands together. Thank you, guys. Help the ladies down. Jonathan, please help the ladies down. Thanks. This is what church is all about. Many times you see people in church, and I'm going to speak briefly because we're closing, and, and, and you know, it's all the woo-woo stuff. You know, he's believed your hands, and, and everybody says, oh, that lady is very spiritual. As soon as the cord goes, she goes, oh. Those things don't mean anything to me much. It's what you do in the lives of the people, leading them to Christ. This, they're important. I'm not taking anything away from them. But if that's all you do, well, I, I've already placed you. Because it's, it's good, but sometimes that's not for even God. Sometimes it's just for people. Because if it's really for God, you'll be out there working with people. That's sure. And I'm not interested in that. And I don't think anybody is. We really need to be real towards God. It's not about church. I'm not just wanting to. I told Pastor Al, the reason why I want this place full, we have a lot of work to do. Not for members. We got work to do. We need the resources. We need people to do what God has called us to do. God, if you read Isaiah 54, God makes it clear, I want you to extend the borders of your tent. That's His will. We cannot stay small. We have to reach the world. We can't just say we planted a church in Calvert and we are happy now. No. We need people to come in here and you can work with them. You can train them. If you are a school teacher, you can teach children. If we have more people teaching, that means they will spend less time with the kids and you can spend time here as well because we take turns. But if it's just one, one person doing it, 
that's not very good pleasant in the eyes of the Lord, where you have able bodies and people that can teach all over the sanctuary. This is the time to commit to what God has called us to do. Sometimes we hear the word of God and I'm closing. And we don't know that God's watching to see what you will do. When a man takes God's word to heart, a woman, and decides, I've heard. Not because pastor said, I heard from God. I'm going to do something about that. Possibly that night, you will find yourself thinking about all kinds of things. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. God's found a friend. Somebody he could work with. And he'll begin to work with you and give you direction. You can start and God will make your ministry great within the Ark Fellowship. Today is that day. I close with this scripture. Job Job chapter 36 verse 11. It says, if they obey, if they obey, Obedience meaning doing God's will. If they obey, but he didn't stop there. And serve him. Like we did going to covet. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. The Bible makes it very clear. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. There is good in the land, and God wants to make it available to you. There's a person here this morning, you're feeling, you've been struggling with depression because of the things that have been happening in your life. And what's happened is, there were things that were important to you in the past. God was part. But you've looked into what's going on in your life. And so I've got to take care of this in my life. You can't do it. Let him do that for you. So that you are free. Within. And you can reach out to people. Amen. If that's you today, reconsider what's going on. Because God wants to heal you. So that you can reach out to the world. Stand up with me this morning. I always want to make opportunity for those who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can make that decision today. And God will accept that. And your life will be transformed. You need to do that today. Because God wants you to be a part of his family. Who will turn away an invitation like that? God says, I want you to be a part of my family. All heads bowed. All eyes closed. You're here today and you say, I want to be a part of God's family. I want Jesus in my life. I want him to be a part of my life. That's you. Why don't you put up your hand quickly and put it right back down. Put your hand up quickly. Put it right down. God is inviting you to be a part of his family. I'm going to say this prayer, and I need you all to pray with me. Lord Jesus, 
thank you for dying on the cross for me. I commit myself to obey you all the days of my life. Help me, Lord, to reach out to those that are without so that they can find peace in God. Help me, God. Put your burden on my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to please come out. If you have a prayer need, Pastor Andy, please help close the service and we'll be out. If you have a deep prayer in any way, come let us agree with you. The Word says we're t- that if we agree upon anything on this earth, He'll do it for us. So if you have a need today, come on down. Praise the Lord. We'll give you just a minute to respond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to do a prayer of dismissal. Lord, we thank you today for the Word of God that came forth. And Lord, our response to the Word of God this morning is yes. Lord, use us in whatever capacity that you want us to be used. Yes, Lord, we'll make ourselves available unto you. And we ask, Lord God, that you would just take us and show yourself faithful to us and use us as we step out. Lord, I thank you right now for this day. I thank you for those that are here today. And I ask, Lord, that your blessings would be upon them. Lord, I pray peace upon their their home within their family, and Lord, that you would just be with them throughout this week and bring us back again this coming Wednesday, Lord God, at the appointed time, Lord, that we may come together once again to hear your word and to learn more of you. Lord, I praise you and I give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.